0: the land on which we record is the occupied, traditional, and unceded territory of the Stalo First Nation. We'd like to start today's podcast with a content warning that we discuss potentially triggering topics like mental health, depression, and suicide throughout the podcast.
1: Well, I think of my home community, uh, Natalie them uh, being back there on the land, and I would say at this point in my life, I am poor in that sense because I am displaced from the land. I am not in my home. And for us in that life, not talking about poverty, but wealth, wealth in our community is community. It's being on the land, being able to fish and give back. And right now I'm poor in that sense because I'm not able to actually give back to the people in my community.
0: Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. I am excited today to have Randall Bear Barnetson joining me. And Randall, you go by Bear? And so I'm wondering if you would begin by introducing yourself.
1: Ah, to Absolutely. So I'd say Hadith suinda Sostrosly, Damusly, Natalie Westen, Yinka Danet, I guess. In my language, uh, Daketh language, that means my name is Sascho, mm-hmm. which means big bear. I got that name from my grandmother, uh, Mayatsu, Susie mm-hmm. George. Uh, you can call me bear, though. Uh, I come from Nadalewaten, uh, the place where the salmon return, kind of the Daketh Natemu mm-hmm. Bear Clan Nation. Ben, thanks for having me.
0: Ah, my pleasure. Yes, I'm excited about our conversation today. I'm looking forward to getting to know you, learning more about your art. I know that you are a multidisciplinarian um, when it comes to the art that you do. And so perhaps you can even begin by telling me a little bit about that. I'm sure we're We're going to get into a variety of different things, but typically what we start these podcasts with is having our guests complete the sentence, poverty is complex because. So I'm going to ask you that, if you'd finish that, and then let's come back around to the art you do and the other parts of your life experience.
1: Absolutely. Poverty is complex because I was thinking about this beforehand as Listening to your guys' podcast, great guests you guys have. Poverty is, and for me, I was thinking poverty is complex and poverty is relational. I understand it's a very privileged perspective that I get to have. For me, poverty is not a material thing at this point in my life. But Mm -hmm. right now here in Vancouver, it's snowing. I'm looking out my window and I see snow falling. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about my brother, who is not in a good way at the moment. He's on the streets mm-hmm. of the downtown side, and he is um, financially and relationally poor at the moment, and he's having to mm-hmm. sleep outside in the snow. I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. Sorry dollars that. and cents. I'm thinking about my brother. And so, for me, when mm-hmm. I think of poverty, I think of it is relationally, lack of community, mm-hmm. lack of place.
0: At Food for the Hungry, that is the place where we begin when we talk about poverty it's the the relationships that god intended us to be in that relationship with him with others with ourselves and with the created world mm. and so that very much resonates with me that poverty being relational and and personal too mm-hmm. those personal connections with people who are are struggling
1: i think about it in first john where uh, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. But I think of perfect, on the flip side, of the other side of that, it's perfect community casts out all need. And
0: mm-hmm. so,
1: lack of community emphasizes those needs, and that's kind of where mm-hmm. we find ourselves impoverished when we're displaced from those. Mm-hmm.
0: You speak as someone who has experienced community. What What is your experience with community?
1: Well, I think of my home community, uh, Natalie, what Then, uh, mm-hmm. being back there on the land, and I would say, at this point in my life, I am poor in that sense because I am displaced from the land. I am not in my home community, mm. and mm. for us in Natalie, not talking about poverty, but wealth. Wealth in our community is community. It's being mm-hmm. on the land, being able to fish and give back, and right now I'm in that sense because I'm not able to actually give back to the people in my community mm-hmm. in here in Vancouver I am I've got a good core group of mm-hmm. people I'm a part of uh, several faith communities uh, primarily Mosaic community and I love that I'm able to give mm-hmm. back to them so in that one mm-hmm. sense I am but in within my own community of not Only within I do my best but to get up there when I can and to give back to my community with my art practice of doing clan designs for, very sellers and people in the community, but I'm actually not able mm-hmm. to be physically there fishing. I was listening to the podcast with uh, where my mom was on, Trail Bear,
0: uh-huh. and she yes. was talking
1: about my Auntie Serena. I absolutely love my Auntie Serena, uh, where my Auntie right. Serena pulls out salmon every year. She's probably uh-huh. the wealthiest person in our community because she gives back mm-hmm. the most. She's not mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. wealthy, but in our community exactly. she is – the wealthiest person because she's able to give so much of salmon Mm -hmm. and of her presence.
0: Which is such a different perspective than is often the case in North America, where independence and amassing wealth are indicators of not being impoverished. And yet the loneliness and the mental health issues that can come from, from those kinds of lack of relationships is significant.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, uh, about my art practice. Um, I'm based here mm-hmm. in East Vancouver, where I grew up. Um, I talk a lot about Nadele Watan, my home community, but also East Van is, mm-hmm. also I consider East Van a my community. So the urban res, mm-hmm. um, East Van Nation, a lot of uh, indigenous people have found ourselves here. This is where a lot of uh, affordable housing is and also social housing. They've all kind of put us here East Van, so there is a lot of Indigenous people in, in East Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So usually the first question we ask is not what we do, or uh, that's where you from. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I start off by saying not like within but also East Van, and I make sure to represent that because there are so many Indigenous people here that have been displaced and they don't actually know where they're from. So they usually just say East Van, mm-hmm. and so East Van Nation has kind of become its own thing. So I've got that both okay. tattooed on me on my my left arm here, I have my clan Nadle within Bear uh-huh. Clan, my Th- demu, my Thunderbirds, my Double Eagle, and on my right hand I got my Eastman cross. So representing both.
0: The East Van Cross, yes. Okay. And that talk to me a little bit more about the significance of place to you. It sounds like that's the foundational uh, a foundational piece of your identity.
1: Absolutely. I was learning from one of my elders, uh, Splash, now, Aaron Nelson Moody. He's a co-sailor elder of mine. He was teaching me jewelry making, mm-hmm. which has become a big part of my artistic practice. But mm-hmm. he told me mm-hmm. the first thing you need to do is not to go buy a bunch of tools or you know do this one. He said, go home, go back to your land, go back to your community and gather stones, big stones if you can. Mm-hmm. And use those to shape your jewelry. Said all of his all of his tools, all shaped around the stones from his community, and we use that to shape our jewelry, Mm -hmm. because we are shaped by our community, and so everything Mm -hmm. that we do is shaped and built by our community. So our jewelry should match that.
0: When you say shaped, as in you look at the shape of these stones and then create jewelry pieces that are similar or or match those shapes, is that what you? Oh
1: no, we use the stones as to actually physically shape the. Uh, the jewelry,
0: okay. just
1: as we are
0: physically shaped by our communities and our land. Gotcha. Okay. Mm. So they become your tools. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about this jewelry that you make. I'm I'm fascinated by the intersection of your faith and art and community, how these pieces come together.
1: Well, uh, jewelry making is something that I've just kind of recently started doing, uh, I would say, in the last year, or so, mm-hmm. maybe six months or so. The latest mm-hmm. piece that I did, I uh, engraved a uh, headplate for myself. I'm, I made a headdress, and I, I had a copper plate that I used uh, for my frontlet. And that's the fancy term for the, the piece that we wear on the, on the forehead. So you see a lot of them on the Northwest Coast here. It's a, kind of one of our signatures, mm-hmm. our headdresses. They've got these carved, beautiful carved pieces And Mm -hmm. so I used a copper plate and I engraved that with uh, my clan, the bear clan, because the house posts or the the clan designs that we use, the headdress there, that one is supposed to harken back Mm -hmm. to your community, your place, your clan, and showing your status Mm -hmm. within that clan. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah, that was probably the latest project that I did.
0: I would just love to hear you speak more about where your passion for art Comes from, mm. and who are you as an artist? Who mm. are you as an indigenous artist?
1: That's a loaded question. Who am I? <laughs> I'm a I'm a Enneagram four, so I'm very much like oh, I feel that way all the time. I'm very existential, like who am I? What am I doing? But uh, <laughs> and also I live with depression, so also I'm also that as well a lot like oh man. But who am I as an mm. artist? Is probably trying to tell those stories. Um, I heard a quote from Bruce Springsteen. It's probably my favorite quote. He said, through my work, I want to tell my story. and hope that you see yourself in your story and then go tell it. And that's Mm -hmm. what I try to embody in my work is that I'm going to tell Mm -hmm. my story about living with depression or my faith journey, and then you see yourself in that, and then how can you go live out your journey well?
0: Yeah, one of the things I noticed in your bio is that your artistic practice interprets moderns of modernity, such as mental health and well-being. So I appreciate you bringing that up, because that's something I would love to chat more with you about.
1: Absolutely. Most of my pieces, I would say, or one of the core figures of my work has been moon designs. And I Hmm. featured that in the book that I did uh, recently, the Nativity Art Project, uh, one of the pieces was called The Witness. And actually, in the mm-hmm. video, you can see just over my shoulder, there's a moon to sign. <laughs> here in my mm-hmm. house. And mm-hmm. for me, I always depict the moon with uh, tears. That's my signature. As okay. someone who's lived with depression for my entire life, I would often find myself staring out at the moon at night and crying out to creator and mm. in the throes of dealing with my mental health. And I rarely felt creator and or god or jesus however you want to describe it i've rarely Mm -hmm. felt or known them uh, to be present with me in those um Mm. which is a big struggle for me no however in those moments i can look at the moon and i'm crying out and i see the moon as my witness the witness Mm. of my pain of my sorrow that Mm. creator sees me it's like uh as hagar Mm -hmm. says in the Old Testament you are the god who sees me. And so I use the moon as a metaphor for that that I don't feel creator's presence with me but I do see the moon as his witness of me.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful. I can imagine that that witnessing and comforting many people. Do you have do you have stories of people responding to your art and this touching them in, in their particular mental health struggles?
1: Yes. I've, I've received a lot of positive feedback about that. Um, I, I don't really have any, um, life-saving stories or, um, testimonials, <laughs> but I've gotten a lot of eh, pat on the back <laughs> okay. for your, you it's really brave of you to share your story. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just doing my best. <laughs> So mm-hmm. as yeah,
0: mm-hmm. well, it is brave because that's a vulnerable part of who you are, and a lot of times I think, especially mental health issues, depression and anxiety issues, are things that people hide, that they feel a sense of shame over, and so that you're you're not only speaking so openly about this, but you're producing art that speaks to this uh, seems deeply
1: important. Mm. I appreciate that. I, I do my best to, to be genuine. And uh, it's a, one of my favorite words and favorite values is uh, genuineness. And so that's mm. in those moments of sharing that with people of where my place, where I'm coming from.
0: So you are an author as well and a teacher and describe yourself as a creator so yeah, small C creator. Tell me a little bit of, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. Yes. Humble.
1: Yes. <laughs> I actually I was chatting uh, yes. with my mom about that as I was writing my artist bio. I was like, I feel like I, I don't want to mm-hmm. just say maker because I just love to make things. I was like, I like to create things. And my mom was like, small c creator. That's make sure you <laughs> emphasize that. I was like, okay, yeah. Sorry, mom. Yeah. I'm not the creator, I am yeah. a creator. <laughs> And right. I guess yes. I feel creator's hand in me when I am or on me when I'm making mm. and I'm doing things and I'm being creative mm-hmm. and trying to find mm-hmm. those moments of telling creator's story and my story and sharing those with others. That's kind of the crux mm-hmm. of my practice as a mm-hmm. as a teacher as well. I teach at the Native Education College. I'm very fortunate that I get mm-hmm. to do that. I graduated from there in 2017, and I moved on to Emily Carr, where I'm at now. I'm in my third Mm -hmm. year. And this year, I actually got a job teaching at NAC, which was my goal all along was to go and give back to the community uh, where I got my uh, adult dogwood from. And so now that I get to do Mm -hmm. that, I've got my foot in the door. It's very meaningful for me.
0: Mm, Okay. And what are you teaching there?
1: I'm teaching art and music. And this semester, I'm actually mm-hmm. doing field observations. And that's, I was talking with my students about it and also my colleagues. I had I my first class yesterday and the mm-hmm. it's, students will go out into the field. They're working and like working with kids and whatnot. And then they come back and they chat about their observations. And um, that's kind of the core of the end of the program, how to go about that and improve what they're doing in the field and, this is that kind of a safe place for them to workshop that. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. my approach to that is more not so much of the coming back, but in the going in a good way. And so I'm influencing mm-hmm. using uh, indigenous theology and um, ceremony to influence how we're going to go in a good way, how to show up in a good way. Um, not how mm-hmm. to uh, enter into those situations in a good way. That's what I'm trying to pass on to that. I don't know where I was, go- mm-hmm. where was I going with that? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. I was just asking what you're teaching. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's... I love these rabbit trails. Yeah. <laughs> they're, the, they're the most interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm trying to teach there.
0: Uh, hmm so. I'd love to learn more, and I suspect that many of our listeners would as well. Indigenous theology and ceremony. That, to me, feels like... Um, Something I would just I would love to have you speak to a little bit more. What does that look like? What does that involve? And and what's the what's the significance for you of being able to do this with students?
1: Uh, Well, it's incredibly significant for me. Uh, I always talk about when I'm asked. I was asked recently by uh, uh, a person that I'm mentoring. They're asking like, "Oh, can I do Northwest Coast style design?" Um, and I said, well, where, where are you from uh, traditionally? And he says, oh, I'm, used, I'm from northern Alberta. I'm, I'm Dene. I said, okay, well, it'd be really great for you to you – it'd be great if you learn Northwest Coast style because you live here on Northwest Coast. But finding where you're from, your clan, your community, uh, your Dene style, that would be the most empowering thing for you is to learn your roots and mm. where you're from and then to go in a good way with those things. So for me, knowing my roots and my traditional – ways of being and ceremonies and being able to bring those into situations is incredibly meaningful for me. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do that this past Sunday. We actually had a a memorial at my community, my faith community mosaic for one of our uh, elders there, uh, Chris Joseph and uh, blending theology and ceremony there sharing in uh, uh, our circle there. I, I did a smudge ceremony, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where we light sage mm-hmm. and we brush ourselves with the sage, or I mean the the smoke there. Mm-hmm. And so I
0: mm-hmm.
1: smudged the circle, and I kept the smoke going uh, throughout the whole service, as uh, we believe here in the northwest coast that fire and smoke are connections to the spirit world. So as we were sharing in the circle of you know our good memories of chris and the things that you know we'd hoped we'd uh, we could have said to him Mm -hmm. i fully believe that just as the spirit world is is close to us closer than we think it is through the smoke Mm -hmm. we're able to share those things to our elder that has passed on Mm -hmm. maybe that's a little bit of heresy Mm -hmm. to some christians but uh, that is what we believe uh, here as Indigenous people on the Northwest Coast and blending our mm-hmm. spiritual practices with uh, our Christian practices and seeing what those two look like together and trying not to get labeled as heretic in the, <laughs> in the process.
0: Right. Actually, right. I
1: I wouldn't mind. One of my elders, uh, Wendy Peterson, she was labeled a heretic, and I was like, "Oh man, that's super cool." You know, she's pushing the uh, the boundaries <laughs> so well that pushing it, the envelope. Yeah, and so I was like, man, maybe someday." You know? <laughs> hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, that that veil between heaven and earth, I think it's probably a lot thinner than we sometimes think it is. So,
1: I fully believe that. I fully believe the. Mm -hmm. the, I did a piece about it, uh, an art piece called Hope. And this was right after my father passed away. And Mm -hmm. I was trying to depict the the closeness of that, of the spiritual world or spirit world and our physical world. And also trying to make sense of what does it look like to have my father in the spirit world and no longer physically with us. And Mm. grieving that, but also desiring closeness there. And trying to hold these mm-hmm. two together. So I did a piece that, um, whereas the colors are really well blended and kind of mirror each other. And showing the that our mm-hmm. physical reality and our spiritual reality often uh, mirror each other. And they are a lot more intertwined than uh, Western society likes to think they are. hmm
0: Mm-hmm. When my father-in-law passed away, he was... He sat up in his bed, and he was looking beyond the room and the people in the room, and he said, oh, not now, tomorrow, and then he gave a specific time, and he laid back down on the bed, and he died the next day at that time. Wow. So that... That is something that is very, uh, very meaningful to me. When you speak of that, that, that transcendence, that awareness of the spirit world, the spiritual world, uh, being very close, mm. is is very significant to us in our family. I well, uh,
1: thank you for sharing that. It's a beautiful story. Um, I can totally relate to that, and mm. with uh, also indigenous thinking. And indigenous spiritual practices we often say that it's through dreams and whatnot that you find out when you were going to pass uh, or if it's mm. your time yet and something that mm-hmm. i've lived with part of it's helped uh, a piece that's it's really helped me continue on uh, in my life uh, literally is knowing that it's not my time yet and mm. our elders say that if Someone who's passed on visits you in your dreams or they start talking to you or you feel your ancestors in your dreams speaking to you, then it's your time and you're going to pass away soon. And Hmm. I've routinely in my dreams, I've encountered ancestors or I've encountered my father and they've routinely Mm -hmm. said, it's not your time, you know, or said nothing at all. And that's another thing is if they start Mm -hmm. speaking to you, then, you know, it's your time. And in those dreams, they've said nothing mm. or not yet. Mm. So, I did a piece mm. around that, um, a painting to embody that teaching and embody that for me as a visual reminder that it's mm-hmm. not my time. I had a giant squid, mm. <laughs> a form line style giant squid. It's quite a quite an interesting uh-huh. story, is um, which I can share. As one, I, I chatted with two elders about it. One said, "Shouldn't you can't share that story? And that's just for you." And another elder said, like, no, that that's a good story that you should share with other people so they can, you know, hmm. uh, be encouraged mm-hmm. by that. And so I like the, the latter uh, because that fits more into my practice and what I'm doing and uh, uh-huh. sharing my story of that. It's not my time yet. I was I was in a, uh, I was in in my dream. I was in a longhouse with all these spirits and ancestors and they were dancing and I got up to dance with them. And one of the ancestors, uh, one of my elders, he put his hand up and said, not yet, not yet. And, mm. and I, I looked, and he had a giant squid mask on. And I don't know the symbolism of giant squid on uh, the Northwest Coast. I've done a lot of research, and I haven't been able to find it yet. But uh, for me, the, that squid painting is a reminder of that it's not my time to join in the dance of mm. the ancestors and of the elders on the other side. So mm-hmm. I can continue on in my
0: work. Hmm. I can imagine that being particularly powerful when you speak of being one who lives with the realities of depression. That seems to me to be a beautiful gift to you.
1: It really is. It really is. As, yeah, as someone who lives with depression, um, Uh, I'll, I'll be very candid here, uh, death and, uh, suicide are, are things that come to my mind, not regularly, mm. but death feels very close for me. I I know mm. way more people that have passed than I, I should. And mm-hmm. the, also like the reality of, um, like I say the spiritual world and the physical world, the how close they are for me, mm-hmm. life and death also feel very close and uh, blended at times. And mm-hmm. so having those stories, having um, these figures like this uh, giant squid, you know, <laughs> or my father mm-hmm. in my dreams telling me it's not my time, it is very encouraging for me mm-hmm. to know that when it is my time, I, I will know that, creator will oh, let me no. know. But for now, mm-hmm. I've got a I've got work to do. I've got stories to share and people to encourage.
0: And you are a masterful storyteller. And I know you to be a traditional storyteller as well. And so maybe if we could end our time together today, if you would be willing to speak a little bit to how you use storytelling to aid in reconciliation and decolonization efforts. Um, I realize we probably could have spent three hours on that topic <laughs> alone, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm wondering if there's anything you would like to say to that as we, as we come to an end of our time here.
1: When I, th- I think about uh, reconciliation, decolonization, I, I think of the words of uh, my elder Ray Aldred, also on this podcast, Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Ray mm-hmm. he talks about holding these two stories together of uh, my culture and my Christ and what does it look like that being said I struggle to not take things very literally uh, I call myself a, a literalist uh, when I I think of the 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 prophets in the Old Testament when they talk about uh, beating their swords into plowshares and pruning shears, pruning hooks and whatnot um, I think in my mind, I like to think that that's a specific time that's going to come, that that's actually going to happen. But if we look mm-hmm. at that more artistically and, you know, poetically, that that's something we can live mm-hmm. now. That's it's not a, a literal time that's going to happen. It's a vision casting or uh, dreaming of a hopeful future, uh, trying to speak that into existence. Mm. And that's more what I try to do with my art and my practice of, I feel that's more my artistic process of what does it look like to hold these two stories together and envision a future where these two stories are equal and they're held together.
0: Uh, hmm. right? mm-hmm.
1: I've, I was at uh, a gathering and, and someone, someone shared it. really, it really rubbed me the wrong way because they said like, Oh, thank you for sharing your work. And uh, what you're doing is really great. And you're doing, uh, trying to tell the greatest story ever told with alongside the indigenous story. And I was like, uh, mm. that's the exact opposite of what I was trying to do. <laughs> to say one, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that we, we've all, uh, a lot of Christian people have heard, that the Bible is the greatest story ever told. It, it is a great story, don't get me wrong. But also, our right. stories are also great. And saying one is the greatest mm-hmm. kind of puts one of ours at a disadvantage there. So mm-hmm. trying to advocate for that and to hold my culture, my Christ, our stories of my culture and the stories of my Christ together and interpret those mm-hmm. through my art practice will be the struggle of my life, <laughs> my entire lifetime. Mm. What does it look like to do that? I'm still figuring it out. I'm doing my mm-hmm. best. Uh, so that the nativity art project is, it's one addition um, of that. And I'm looking forward to continuing to do similar type projects.
0: Well, Thank you for continuing to persist and continuing to invest in your own journey of figuring this out as you go. Because in this process, you're creating beautiful works of art that have um, such deep meaning. So I just, uh, this has been such a meaningful conversation and I appreciate you taking time and uh, I want to thank you. For being here today, I do also just want to know is there anything else that you would like to end with? Is there anything you were hoping you could say or we could talk about today? And I've just missed it.
1: Oh, no. Snichalia, uh, I appreciate your words uh, in my language. I'm great. Snichalia means I am grateful for you. Um I would like to say as well, I did top, touch on some heavy things today. You know, I was talking about um, mental health, depression. Suicide. Um, These are really heavy topics. And so if you are struggling with these things, Mm -hmm. you're not alone. There is help out there. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, To anyone struggling with those things, reach out to me. Reach out to those who you can. um, Call for help. Mm -hmm. Ask for help. Uh, You're not alone in those things. Your creator sees you. You are loved. And your life is valuable. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bear. If someone wants to reach out to you, where can they find you?
1: Well, I am a millennial, so I'm always on Instagram. So <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you can find me at Randall Bear Barnetson. So
0: that makes you fairly easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Bear. It's been a joy to talk with you. It's to explore what your next steps could be, or find out more about FH Canada, start by checking out fhcanada.org slash resources.